Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Los Angeles 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs Welcome back into the House of Mystery and I'm on the West Coast, Al Warren and on the East Coast we have Mr. David North Martino Hey Al, how you doing? I'm, well, you know yeah, you know, I'm, I'm smoked out. No, it's good. <laughs> Hot and smoky, and then the weather's that way too. No, uh, anyway. Um, now, no, so uh, we've had great shows. Lots of good, interesting writers this week, and uh, another one coming up today um, from Canada. We got a Canadian writer who's uh, uh, a young adult fantasy writer. Um, so we welcome to the show Jenna Green. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Jenna, so now before we get into your newest book, Renew, let's talk about um, how you got into writing and how you got writing into this area of, uh, you know, the fantasy. Um, I think that genres and styles, um, they choose the author more than the author chooses them. I mean, sometimes an author will say, I want to write horror, and they do. But a lot of it is, you know, the ideas for stories kind of hit you and then you either choose to write it or you don't. Um, when I, I mean, I was writing my whole life, scribbling in notebooks and things, but I was about 17, 18 when I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So it's not that big a jump to think, you know, a 17-year-old's going to write YA because I was YA. And uh, teaching the kind of those middle grades for a good 10, 11 years, I was surrounded by YA literature. I was surrounded by um, students of that age and and. Um, I really grew to value that genre, that age group. And uh, then I just created stories that had characters that just happened to be in that same age range. And it just kind of all went from there. Wow. But what um, was there something in particular that, you know, made you stick to that type of writing? Like, um, you know, you might be surrounded by it and immersed in it and working with it a lot, but, what was it that uh, made you want to actually do something in that area? I think that you reason? can do things with YA that you can't always do with adult literature. In adult literature, you know, if you say there's magic, you're going to have to explain how this magic came into being and how it affects the world. In YA, you can just say there's magic and people go, okay. And so that opens mm. um, a writer up to all sorts of ideas and creativity and you can just you can do a little bit more and it's fast paced and you can still explore all sorts of amazing themes you just do it in 
um, a quicker way with younger characters, which is a little fraction more of that instant believability. Kids buy in just a bit quicker than adults do. And so that's a great power to have and a great genre to work with. So when you say that sometimes like these genres, they, they, they select the, the writer. Uh, do you feel that way about your characters as well? Do, do they select you or where they do they come They start from? with me. So for the first third of a book, I am really controlling these characters and I am putting them in situations and I'm developing them. But about, you know, a third of the way to half the way through the book, they start to take over. The character really knows what's happening and they've been formed. And then they're just like errant little demons that you have to try and control where you have something in the mind for the plot, but the character is going to take it another way. And so it's quite interesting the, writing the first part of a book versus writing the ending of a book um, because the ending is a lot more unpredictable. Even if you do know how it's going to end, how you're going to get there, um, just Sometimes there's a little bit of surprises along the way, which is super fun. Will you talk about um, how your characters uh, kind of take over? Uh, have you ever had a character do anything that has really surprised uh, you? Yeah, pretty much the entire ends of every book <laughs> where I'm like, oh, they got they get more spunky, um, which is right. You want your character to grow. Um, and you want your character to change and expand, um, but they get a little bit more spunky. Um, my favorite characters to write are from my Imagine series, and they're these two little brownies. They're about, like, 12 inches tall, and, I, you know, I write them like they're a pair of drunk puppies, and they're hilarious to write. Whatever comes to mind, <laughs> that's what goes on the page, and these guys have no attention span. They have absolutely no filter everything is like something shiny that they're distracted by and so it's it's very random and so they're hilarious and you never know what they're going to do um even for me it's just you know very random and scattered and hilarious <laughs> so with your new book renew you're saying that's uh, part of a series i guess from the book before um how do you find it writing kind of a series rather than just one-off? Um, I don't really know how to write not a series. I think, I think it, you know, I came from, <laughs> I, I wanted to be a poet. That's how I started. And I am not a good poet. And it took me a long time to realize that. Everyone kept saying, you're too prosy, you're too wordy, you're too long. I was like, oh, maybe I was meant to write you know, a short story, but I couldn't write a short story because they're all like 200 pages. Um, and then even to write a standalone book, I, I've tried and been like, okay, this will be one book. This is how it will end. But it just never does that because there's just so much story to tell. And I, I guess my muse has decided I will always have like double arc, you know, the arc of the book and then the arc of the series. And a lot of what I write has that dystopian feel to it the reborn mark series in particular very dystopian so you have these alternate worlds where you know things are just not right and things are just not fair for a, a vast amount of people and i can't just leave it that way i want my characters to go out and try and fix it and so that tends to go beyond just one book and it's been my big challenge the last few years to try and write a solo book, which I've not accomplished, or even just to write a short story, which I finally did manage to do. I don't know if, whether it's any good, but it, uh, it's been a nice writing challenge to try and just write a short story. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, when you, when you create a character, um, do you have an inner monologue? Do you hear your characters? I know I, I hear voices, right? <laughs> uh, and I wonder if you're, if you're um, kind of transcribing uh, what you're hearing or if it's more images and symbols, or how, how does that work for you? a little bit of everything they really nag me if i do something wrong like they're they're gonna be like i don't think i'd say that right. <laughs> you know and uh, i have my cat who sits kind of above me when i write like above the chair kind of off to the side and if i write a line that he disagrees with he'll meow <laughs> and i'm like yeah that was probably off you're right and there's just like um as you get better at writing, maybe not when you're starting off, but as you get better at writing, you can kind of sense things, you know, or mm. you'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll write this piece of dialogue or I'll write this description and your fingers will kind of 
tense up or you'll get this feeling in your stomach that's just no it's not it's not quite right it's very um intuitive and instinctual um Hmm. yeah and it's hard to describe but you know you get this feeling of yeah it's not quite the right thing so your your main characters in the in the new book renew um who are they and who are they to you more than more importantly um well the main character of the entire series is a girl named lexel and she's 16 and she was inspired by uh, a student I had who was, you know, 11 at the time, but, um, and her name was Lexi. And she was a very tough individual, but didn't always know it. She didn't always know where her strengths came from. And her strength was really, you know, her empathy and her perception and her kindness. And, you know, when we're looking at literature or movies, we don't always see those as strengths. We're looking for the people that, you know, can run faster or fight better or can shoot a bow and arrow better than anyone you've ever seen in your whole life. And um, this this girl, this actual student, you know, actually she was a, a Taekwondo uh, thing, this black belt in Canada. But the parts of her that I admired were the other aspects of her, the the part of her character, you know, that that she had ethics and morals. And so Lexel is one of those characters that doesn't see a lot in herself. And, you know, spends a lot of the first book being described as docile and accepting. And and she doesn't know if that's true. And if it is true, is it something she can change about herself? Um, But by the time the second book has come around, uh, she's been through a whole lot. And so she's able to draw on the skills that she has just a little bit easier. But as the world opens up, Obviously, the danger increases, the stakes increase. And so, though she's become more empowered, so has the world around her, thus amping up, you know, the struggle. But she's just inherently kind and thoughtful and introspective. And and those are qualities that should be valued along with anything else. Probably more so. Is that sort of... So, you know, you, you've got the the story you put together and the characters and, and it's a kind of a comes from you and from them and everything is a combination. But do you try to set some sort of a, a meaning to each book? I think I think the themes are very clear. I don't know if like, you know, the thesis of the book necessarily is, but there's definitely very clear themes about um, identity or prejudice And then it's up to the reader to decide, you know, what are we supposed to be thinking about identity or prejudice or um, change and resistance? So the themes are very clear. And then, you know, the rest is left up to the reader. Well, so do you do you hope that a reader takes away something? Do you have something in mind is what I'm thinking? Like, so I, I, you know, I'm not the young adult, but if a a person that you're aiming the book for picks it up, reads it, takes it home, all that stuff. Is there something you're hoping they take away from it? I hope it makes them think. I hope in some way it sticks with them longer than it took to read it. And that's what great literature does. It has some universal meaning or message that makes you go look at your life or the world around you and say, huh. I either can see that or I notice that or I want to change that about the world. Um, And that's what books should do, right? Some books are just for fun. And I've definitely written some of those. You know, I have a picture book in the works and there's no great thematic. um, Well, maybe a small one, but, you know, it's just cute and funny. But good YA should make you definitely think and, and think about what you're capable of, you know, using these characters as a model and then using this fictional world to mirror the real world in some way. I mean, the Reborn Mark series deals with slavery and it deals with prejudice and, you know, what equality can look like in oppression and how we judge others. And so hopefully the reader leaves with slightly wider open eyes. Well, after writing something, you know, uh, 
those portions of, of that story where it's dark or um, maybe it's it's been hard to write. Uh, I was just wondering, do you uh, have a way to decompress afterwards? Do you need to decompress um, or can you just move on to the next story? How bad does it make me sound to be that, that I don't have a lot of problems <laughs> writing those? I think, <laughs> no. my, I think my aunt has, has read a few and been traumatized by some scenes and I'm like, huh. Oh, sorry, I th- I don't know. There's something about it being my own writing, uh, you know, uh, that I'm just that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know because I could read the same thing in in a book that you know I didn't write and be traumatized by it, and then I don't know. I mean, I'm just maybe so immersed because you feel in it. you have control. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe 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 yeah. it's it's your it's your baby. You've got control. You know the characters inside out. You know kind of how it'll end so to speak um so maybe you feel more comfortable with that maybe i'm just a dark human being i don't know <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> i was gonna say but i was trying to be a little nicer but uh, <laughs> you never know right i mean uh you know I, it, but is there is there a reason like because like you you like to describe this as dystopian right is there something um is there something about dystopian sort of writing and, and that that kind of a feature that that you enjoy oh yeah I think I fell in love with it in high school we you know we had the option of picking from all these books that was the only one in my class that picked 1984 and that book I mean it made me depressed it made me uh, but it also it opened my eyes to the possibilities of what literature can be and the statement it can make the handmaid's tale I think I read my first or second year of university. It did the same thing. Um, the Giver, The Hunger Games, um, Divergent. You can take these alternate worlds and really make a statement. And I mean, my Imagine series is that high fantasy with, um, you know, elves and dwarves and magic. Um, and I enjoyed writing that series and I think it's good, but it's not a lot of what I read. Um, and the Reborn Mark series is much closer to what I enjoy reading where you have these characters in extreme situations. Um, but the reality, the world building isn't quite as complicated in that, you know, a tree is a tree and a house is a house. It's just a society really that's different. And so your focus um, can be on that instead of all that other world building stuff. And so, you know, you can just do a little bit, get to the action a bit quicker and it's just a fraction more relatable. Well, you've said too that um, you know the genre basically chooses you. And I was wondering, are, are there any other genres? You spoke about some other uh, uh, genres and books that you like. Are there any other genres that you're interested in pursuing? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I read everything. I mean, YA must is my favorite, and dystopians definitely up there. Um, but I re- I'll read nonfiction. I'll read historical um i want to try and and branch out but i i you know i'm trying to like i thought i'd try and do a romance you know and see how that could be be a little bit more lighter but i apparently have this like dark vibe in me that the the story is just it's just not going that well i I know the feeling yeah but i you know I've, i've tried to you know do some short stories and you know and then I switched what I'm teaching. So I I taught middle school for years and years. And I was, you know, surrounded by 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And then now I'm with six-year-olds. And I have a five-year-old daughter. And so I've been immersed in that young children's literature. And so that's kind of inspired some fun and funny tales that, you know, um, because it's just that fun humor. It, You know, that darkness isn't even on the agenda. So, like, it's not going to come in. I'm not going to have, like, a little, I don't know, a little wombat scurrying through the bushes and then being stabbed to death. So that's off the plate. And then I can just play with the fun parts. And so um, that's kind of something I've been pursuing recently and throwing ideas around. But I would like to try. I'd like to try every genre. I want to write a Western, a horror, uh, everything. I don't know if I'll achieve it, but, you know, it'd be fun to try. Well, I was just wondering, can it get uncomfortable writing for an age group that you're teaching? Do you feel like you need to self-censor? Um, no, 
I mean, I don't, I try not to, you know, as a teacher, you'd think that I would use them as my audience and things, but um, I'm always, I keep those worlds pretty separate. I'm in a position of influence and I don't want anyone to ever be thinking like, oh, I have to buy my teacher's book or, you know, so I don't really, Mm. I I mention that I'm a writer, but I don't really, you know, um, talk about my writing with them too, too much. Um, it's more inspired by my, my daughter and her friends and anecdotes and things like that of what they've gone through, you know, not eating their supper, wanting to be (laughs) heroes and things like that. And it's just, you just taking a fun little anecdote and then just making it into a story. And it's just, um, fun to play around with that humor, which isn't that kind of humor isn't really present in my, my YA books. Well, do you show up to the classroom dressed in black and do you have it looking like the Adams family? And No, and this is what's weird is my personality does not match my writing at all. I am an upbeat, chipper, hyper, like never been sad a day in her life. I was Princess Anna on the first day. Um, like I wore the full gown and had my hair in braids and was singing the song. That's who I am as a person. Um and yet I write very dark and, and uh, it's, it's, it's very, nobody that knew me would think that this is what I write. Do you, do you ever let your husband out of the basement? Oh, no. There's, <laughs> there's no point in that. Yeah. Unless I need something clean. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Now we're finding out the real truth. Now we're getting <laughs> you know, I'll tell you. No, so does fantasy take you away from the world we live in now? Is this kind of an escape from something you might not like seeing in our world? It's a way to solve it in a unique way, right? It, yeah. You can have your characters deal with stuff that, that you can't. And um, there's always a thread somewhere in my books. It might be big, it might be small, but there's some thread of that theme of, intolerance or oppression or um, perception. And so there's, it's always in there somewhere. And that's not something you can always tackle in real life. Like how people see you is how they see you. And there's not a whole lot that you can do to change their view of you. Um, But you can in a book and you can take action in a book and you have that freedom. Does it does it kind of worry you, but in the sense of, um, well, I guess in Canada it's not as bad, but it's a pretty political world. It's pretty pretty divided in the last four or five years, and there's been a lot of stress and prejudice going on. So when you're talking about subjects like that, do you worry that um, it, it 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 might get you might get some backlash from from that? I do. I mean, yes, I live in Canada, and we have a lot of advantages, but I live in Alberta. Alberta, a certain part of Canada. <laughs> but you can meet all sorts of people no matter where you go and, and all sorts of views. And it's my hope that at some level my books show that you you need to respect everyone and be open-minded and understand that change is a good thing. It's not going to harm you, Um, but also not to just jump onto every bandwagon that exists, but that the world is always adapting and moving and it's supposed to. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain process of moving forward of some sort that we all have to go through, but I think change scares a lot of people. So that's a, that's a tougher one to deal with as well. Right. Especially with the younger uh, readers. It is. And that, that pendulum, kind of goes back and forth we swing too far left and we swing too far right and then we swing too far left to kind of overcompensate but you just have to kind of ride out the waves there and always have that optimistic view and that's the thing about even though I write really dark stuff I mean but there's there's always that hope there's that sense of achievement that you know evil can be overcome um failures can be reversed, right? You might fail the first time, but not the second or third. 
And, and so, I mean, you're not going to read my books and be so depressed. You're bawling. You're just going to be along for a really quick ride and you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. But at the end of the book, you're going to feel pretty good about the world. So, you, you know, you mentioned that there's enemies. So you create enemies um, in the book itself. To, or to- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Challenge, you might say. Um, is, is, this, is this stuff you get from real life, from things going on around you or things you see? Or is this just totally made up? Like, do, do you have a big orange orange-haired beast that comes into the story or like is this or is this completely out of the blue like you don't actually i just wonder how much influence from the real world around us gets in into this i think um the thing about writing fantasies like they always say write what you know and i'm like well that's great i've never met a dragon how do i write about one (laughs) um but uh Write what you know, I've been afraid and I've been surprised and I've been sad. And so um, no matter what creature you create, your characters can easily react to it. And so in my Imagine series, I mean, you know, I got to create all sorts of monsters, just, you know, everything I've seen on TV or in a book or in a picture and, you know, give it extra arms and horns and things like that. Um, And it's fun to write. Your characters get to battle it and it's just a wild ride. In the Reborn Mark series, the the villains are people, but they're not pure villain, right? They might be right about some stuff and wrong about others, or their point of view might not match someone else's point of view, and neither's right and neither's wrong. And then there are the, the creature aspects, but they're really from real-life horrors, like people who have suffered a loss or people that have lost their soul, or things like that. And so it's a different kind of creature. It's a different kind of beast. And so the enemies 
in the Reborn Mark series aren't pure villain. And so how do you defeat someone, something or someone that's both good and bad? It's not as simple as just cutting off the dragon's head. Yeah, just just nuke the world. It's over. <laughs> uh, what kind of re- when you read yourself, who are your favorite authors? Um. Well, that's hard to pick. That's yeah, like picking a favorite child. I only well. have one, so she's my favorite. <laughs> but you know, it 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 changes every day. It changes every week. Um, I don't even know if I have favorite authors. I just have favorite books because an author could write one thing and I love it. And then the next time they write something, it just doesn't catch my attention or doesn't catch my heart as well. I mean, one of my favorite books is something that isn't even very popular and it probably came out in the eighties or nineties and it's not a fantasy at all. Not one inch of it is fantastical. And it's called uh, the true confessions of Charlotte Doyle by Avi. And it just, the structure of the book, you know, I just, I just loved it. And the character, I just love her. So it's, I know that this question gets asked a lot and I'm supposed to have an answer ready, but I never do. <laughs> well, you know, I always say, just, just pick the host. Just say, yes, well, exactly. David <laughs> Martino's book is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. I would love to work with that guy. You know? <laughs> well, and there's plenty well, of books that have inspired me along the way. Um, Lori Hulse Anderson's book Speak really helped me like that book drew me in and eviscerated my soul um, and it taught me how to write emotions better and you know the big dystopian um, boom of the of the early 2000s um, gave me thousands of ideas for different societies to create so literature that I read is always impacting me but I struggle to read when I'm writing I don't have a whole Mm. lot of time and my brain can't compartmentalize super well so if I'm not really working on a project then I'm reading everything I get my hands on but if I'm writing and really working on something I don't read that much well in the same vein do you have any influences that might be surprising to fans Anything that you've read or watched or anything like that? Um, well, probably. I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> I became obsessed a couple months ago with the book Into Thin Air, which, you know, came out like 20 years ago. But I just became obsessed with like the 1996 Everest disaster that I'd never heard of. And I was like, huh. mm. you know, so I'm sure that everything I've uh, read um, or shows that I've watched have influenced me, it's not always hard to pick those out, though. I mean, I wrote the book Reborn, and then I edited it, and then I sent it to publishers, and then I, you know, then someone accepted me, and we got it um, edited again and formatted and published. And it wasn't until I was marketing that book that I realized how much of an impact my mother's illness and death affected the formation of that story in the moment had no clue even slightly after absolutely no clue it was two three years later i was like whoa this totally impacted my writing and Mm. you know you can't always figure those things out at the time that's true yeah you always figure out you're in a moment when it's a memory right it's it's something that comes along in your mind later. Do you feel vulnerable by, by expressing feelings in your books? No. I think it makes me a better writer. I think that the raw, the more, this is not going to come off grammatically correct, but the more raw I can be, the rawer I can be, the better. Well, I mean, so... So you don't worry about it because it's such an interactive world now because people can find you online. People can make comments to you. They can get you on Facebook or whatever. And and nowadays with social media, people can be, you know, very aggressive. Does that, that sort of 
does that affect you at all? Do you even pay attention? Um, if I was my husband, I would be terrified and mortified every minute of every day. <laughs> um, I'm an open book. I mean, when we're at, you know, pre-COVID, you know, when we were at parties, I'd be telling stories or things about my life and he'd be whispering in my ear, you don't need to share everything. You don't know. You don't need to share. And I'd be like, but it's fine. It really genuinely doesn't bother me. I'll talk about um, my mental health issues. I'll talk about um, my, you know, the death of my mom and how that affected me. I'll talk about, you know, my personality, my flaws, my failures. Um, the only kind of hands-off things is I don't, I don't really talk about my students, obviously, and I don't tend to mention my daughter's name. Um, I just call her Chickpea or Princess Cranky Pants or, you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, just to respect her that's, privacy and uh, that stage thing. Yeah, I mean, I talk about my husband a lot. I know now. He's an adult, though. I can mention him. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. You know. <laughs> I was wondering, do you have any, um, you, you mentioned martial arts before. I was just wondering if you have any hobbies or activities that inform your work when you're, when you're creating stories. Um, I like being creative. Um, I like to dance badly, and I like to sing <laughs> badly, and I like to act moderately badly. Um, I, well, you um, could get a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like drawing, and I'm horrible at it. I just, any aspect to be creative is is i mean that's just part of it i'll paint i mean it won't look like anything it's all abstract but you know crafting and things i i really enjoy just anything that involves creativity and that's really fun i'm a big fan of napping that's a hobby um <laughs> me too i'm an amateur right now but someday i hope to go professional as a professional napper. Talk to Dave there. Yeah. That Cranky. sounds like a job for me. I know. Mr. Cranky Pants. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so where do you see yourself going with this? Like, this has writing turned out the way you thought it would? and um, Or is this just going kind of where you don't you didn't expect it to? I think, uh, I think when I was, you know, 17 and I got my very first little short thing published in a in a in an anthology and got like 200 bucks i thought instant fame i'm gonna take over the world and become a world famous author and then you know hit a 12-year dry spell um i think it took a lot longer for me to get good at writing than i had un originally anticipated um it took a lot longer than i thought to find out what i should be writing um but the more that I got published and the more I worked with editors, um, the better I got. Um, and so I can produce better books more quickly, quicker, um, in that the editing doesn't take as long because now some of it's kind of ingrained in me. And so I'm able to write more than I could before. And so now things are starting to really pick up. You know, it's hard to have a, a, bustling writing career when you write a book every five years hmm. you kind of have to be able to produce um and so things are doors are opening now you know it's been three or four years and now more opportunities are coming my way you know i go from selling books at a little local fair under like a tent and then suddenly I have a publicist and suddenly I have a podcast and I'm meeting other writers. And now I'm, you know, there's the opportunity to, instead of me going out and saying, Hey, will you publish my stuff? People are coming to me and saying, Hey, um, do you want to try writing a short story? We want to, we like your writing and we want to throw something of yours into this, this book. So I think I'm, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I think I'm on the cusp of something as just more opportunities build on more opportunities and more doors and more challenges. And then as I try out different genres and styles, who knows? <laughs> Maybe you'll end up as a background singer for the next Megadeth concert. <laughs> oh, those poor <laughs> spectators. No, no, I prefer to torment people through writing. Yeah. Well, you know, 
I, it's just it's just interesting. It's interesting um, the whole concept of writing a fantasy and and um, not not feeling foolish. I guess you have to um, you have to read Tolkien's essays. Um, obviously, read all his other books too. They're amazing. But you have to create a world. And then you have to stick to the continuity of that world. If you waver and you doubt yourself as a writer, um, the audience will too. But if you buy into that world, no matter how fantastical it is, no matter how absurd it might seem when you're saying it out loud, if you write it as if it's real, it'll come across that way and people will buy in. So you just have to be really confident that this is just how the world is. There's no, it, oh, oh, well, if you think it's ridiculous that, you know, dragons exist or magic exists or fairies exist, that's just, that's life. I've known plenty of fairies, <laughs> but I, I just, <laughs> but, um, but when you do that, it, you, you must have times where you feel insecure or have some doubt. And that's sort of the point that I'm saying, because you could be buying into that and you're going along and all of a sudden one day it's just, oh. Don't don't you ever have that? Absolutely, that but that's all writing. I could be writing, uh, you know, a psychological thriller or a mystery book, and I could have someone find a clue, and I could be like, eh, "Would that really happen? Would you find a clue that way?" That's all writing. Um, I guess the stakes are a little bit bigger in fantasy because you know you throw a dragon in, but I find the same on the few times I've tried contemporary um, realistic stuff. I'm like, "Uh, would someone react that way? Um, So it just, you really just have to take a guess and do your best and gamble and, and hope. And some of your stuff's going to bomb because people are going to be like, nope, that would not, nope, doesn't work. Um, And that's writing though. It's just this giant risk that you spend years on with every part of your sweat and soul. But you, if you, if you don't take some risks, then you're done. So taking risks, do your, do your dragons identify as male or female? (laughs) It's just a big joke because I don't actually have any dragons in any of my stories, but it's always my go-to metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, you need to have one and they can be they. And and that would be a really good lesson for kids. There you go. I just you know, I'm trying to help. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. You know. Um, well, this is interesting. So now, how do, how do you like people to find you, or do you? Do you like to have a website? Do you have? Do you like them to follow you on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or what's what's your way of interacting with uh, fans and readers? Um, I'm all over the social media. It's way better for them to follow me on TikTok than down the street. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I I think I I just got on TikTok about a month ago and I think I'm pretty funny. But anyway, what the only thing they have to do is remember that green, Jenna Green, is spelled with an E on the end. Um, And if you can remember that, then I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, JennaGreen.ca for my website, J Green Writes on Twitter and TikTok. Facebook, Jenna Green, you know, I'm everywhere. I'm not on LinkedIn because I still don't know what that is. And I was on <laughs> Tumblr for like a day and a half. I didn't really get it. But everywhere else, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Amazon, Goodreads, I'm around. Well, there you go. Jenna is around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, so you're fantasy so that and you write about a lot of problems or, or I shouldn't say problems, but issues like challenges. Um so when the world has gone crazy and when there's a pandemic and when there's things going on that are pretty stressful, um, does it get into your writing? And I don't mean so much the story, but just the feeling. Um, so when you're under a great deal of pressure or things are kind of stressful in your life because of what's going on outside of you, your world, um, does it somehow seep into the feeling through the book? Oh, Probably. But again, it's one of those things that you can't always identify when you're in the moment. 
Um, even when people ask me about my writing style, I have to, I can't think about how I'm currently writing. I have to think about how I wrote in the past and then say, mm. yeah, that's my writing style. I did. <laughs> I'm reflective, but I'm not <laughs> introspective, I guess. I don't know what's happening in the moment. Um, honestly, though, I have a feeling that when the world is dark, I'm probably trying to, uh, you know, even it out with a lot of humor. So it's probably when the world is good, I'll write dark stuff. And when it's dark, I'll write funny stuff. So maybe comedy is my new, maybe I'll try a humor book. <laughs> well, you just never know, right? I mean, do you ever want to work with someone else? Is there somebody you've ever decided that well, would be really good? To, uh, I'd like to write with that person. Well, you know, I didn't even know that people wrote with other people until <laughs> a few months ago. And then on my podcast, we were interviewing, you know, writing teams. We had... Iris and Roy Johansson and their mother and son. And then we interviewed a father and son and, and, you know, people write with their husbands. And I was like, well, you can write with other people. You could share the workload. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? I mean, I wouldn't be able to write with my husband because he likes to give me premises and he's like, Oh, you have a world that's like this. And then I'm like, okay, what would happen? He's like, Nope, that's just how it is. I'm like, well, that's not a story. That's just that's just a description. If if the society doesn't change or someone something happens to someone, it it's not a story. He's like, nope, that's how it is. I'm like, okay, but I would like to collaborate with someone. I think it'd be really fun. Maybe get some new ideas and and uh, hey, share the marketing workload, share the editing workload. Mm. Be slightly oh, less yeah. isolated because I'm definitely an extrovert. <laughs> Yeah, well, you seem kind of shy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it does. If you work with other people, sure, it creates a new energy, and that sort of uh, in itself is, brings something new to the table. So I think it's really good. You know, um, soon you'll be in films and doing everything. You know, it won't be long. Um, well, so what's next for uh, Jenna? What's up on the on the on the platform now um well the the reborn mark series has to finish up um the good news is the third book's already written it just has to go through you know the editing and formatting phases so there'll be less of a gap between the first and the second book or sorry between the second and the third than there was the first and the second um i have the first draft done of a new kind of YA dystopian I have a picture book coming out and a few more hopefully to follow. Um, and then trying to see what else I can try that I've just honestly never done before. I want to see what I'm capable of. Well, yeah, you don't know until you try. Uh, what do you, so what do you, you know, for someone that's a new writer, what would you tell them to do that, you know, they've never been published and they're writing and they, and they, they read your book and they go, my God. I want to be like Jenna. How, what would you say to them? I'd say to watch where they're walking because Jenna's very clumsy. Yeah. But as a writer, <laughs> I would say write and don't look back. Because if you are reading it along the way and you're editing along the way, you're never going to get anywhere. Because the first draft's always crap. That's why it's called first draft. Mm. It's, it's, it's rough. It's, I mean, I've written stuff. Where, you know, I was writing it and then I took a break to do report cards and then I went back to writing it. And my beta readers are going, um, you killed off a character and now they're alive again. Like you're, <laughs> you're going to make massive mistakes, but you can't edit a blank page. So just get something down and you're going to write, say a book. And you, when you get to the end, you're going to go back and reread it and it's going to be kind of crap. But then. You'll rewrite that book or you'll rewrite a different book and you'll read it and be like, hey, it's only kind of crap. And then you just <laughs> keep going until eventually you're like, huh, well, look at that. It's actually good. There's just no way to get better at writing until you write. And you're going to come up with excuses like, oh, well, I don't have the plot fully in my head so I can't start and I'll never start or well well it's a little bit similar to this book so I guess I can't ever write it you just got to get rid of all the excuses and put hands to keyboard or pen to paper or 
I don't know, use a typewriter if you want, but I don't know if you can find one. Um, and just get writing. Don't you guys still use them in an Alberta school? No, no, but I did write a story in the fourth grade on my mom's typewriter. Yeah, well, there you go. Tick, tick, just, tick, uh... <laughs> Do you like the publishing world? Like in the, in the way it is now where there's uh, Amazon and there's so many self-published people and work out there and it's just are you happy kind of in the in the setting today i think so i like that there's lots of opportunities i'm kind of a hybrid like i'm an indie author but i'm not self-published um but i'm still classified as indie because i have i'm not with the big five i'm with you know small presses but i also can you know go on facebook messenger and message my publisher and he'll answer my question that day which maybe wouldn't happen with the big five on the other hand you know i can't just release a book and then get millions of dollars in sales uh that day so there's trade-offs but i think that i'm always kind of climbing that ladder uh you know getting bigger and more opportunities and getting better and and you know Things are moving, and that's all I need. It doesn't matter where I'm at as long as I'm going forward. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation, and uh, we're glad you came on. Um, the newest book is called Renew, and our guest is the author, Jenna Green. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Jenna. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. 